I'm the guest. <laughs> it's Lucas. Hey, how's everybody doing? Um, today's a little bit different, a little bit special, because Connor, who's normally, obviously, my co-host, could not make it for the first time in our short history. But we're still on brand. We're still on themed because we are joined by our awesome, also first cousin, Lucas, who also <laughs> happens to be my new uh, roommate. How you doing today, Lucas? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm good. Uh, Lucas is not only not only is he a good roommate, which has been proven over the last week, but he is very uh, has a very special niche within the film industry, which is something we talk about quite a lot. And not all our episodes are focused on movies, but we tend to focus on them quite a lot. And so, Lucas is a sound designer, and he has a yes. lot of cool insights that uh, have come about recently uh, over his career. And it's been really cool to see his career blossoming and emerging. Lucas. Um, yes, yes. How, how can, you, can you tell us, well, first, before we get into a little bit about how you became a sound designer and all that kind of stuff, um, just, a, just a little bit more about you. Uh, so you're, we're, you're living now in Hollywood. We're living in the L.A. area. But where are you from before that? Where's your um, hometown? Yeah, so I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I grew up in Oregon. Uh, on the coast, small town, and uh, I lived in Seattle for a while, and then um, I went to Arizona, and now Cali, baby. Heck yeah, we love to hear it. So Lucas has, the key here has been that Lucas has been on the best coast this entire time. Sorry, Connor, you're West not here. West coast, best coast. Oh, heck yeah. Connor's not here to defend uh, the East Coast, so sorry, folks. Um Pretty much, Lucas. I'm I'm curious about a couple things because we talked a lot a lot about different uh, franchises that we've loved and different movies and different things we feel about. And I'm a little curious about what some of your favorite movies are, what some of your favorite video games are, just some of the things that you're interested in. Because you know, I know that you're more interested in video games than me and Connor have been on the podcast, and so I think that's something mm. that's uh, cool to talk about and important to bring up. So, um, do you have a couple of insights, like best of things that people should know as your favorites um yeah i mean just for like playing wise i i really love like the fallout series and halo and also i mean like sound design wise i'm not sure if we're going into oh no go right for it go right for it halo has like amazing sound design like super creative there's even for the new game like some youtube videos where they go out, they go blow up cars, and they're recording all these great source sounds. And, um, and like, shooting cars, getting those little metal ricochets, you know, they're doing everything. And um, they just use all these, like, crazy source sounds, like, super, super creatively. And the end product just sounds awesome, like, some of the best sci-fi sounds out there, for sure. That's and- really funny you bring up Halo, because I actually, side, side memory... Um- one of the one of the core memories of being maybe like six or seven and me and Connor visiting you and, and your brother Travis, obviously, our other first cousin out there, and yeah. of course April. Uh well, we were all playing Halo and you guys were a little bit older than us. And um me and Connor both got in a lot of trouble for playing Halo, but it was a really good time. I just remember that being a, a really uh, solid time. But um Was it Halo three? It was Halo three, the yeah. best one. Am Dude, I wrong? That, that game is great. There's one part of that game. I just gotta shout this out because it's the coolest thing in gaming, that you could jump on like the enemy scarab, like giant spider oh, yeah, walking yeah, yeah. things in the campaign, 
and it wasn't a cutscene. You just jumped on, you killed all the aliens, and then you would like grenade the battery, <laughs> and it would blow up like in real time in game. And not like, dude, a lot of games just have cutscenes, but doing it yourself, I was just like, damn, that was so cool. <laughs> that's actually that, that's a core memory for my gaming <laughs> childhood, I guess. That actually cuts to a movie we recently just watched a couple of nights ago, uh, Starship Starship Troopers. Oh yeah, and uh, I'm just thinking of the scene where he throws the grenade. Yeah, Spoiler yeah. alert for an action scene in a movie from 1997, but throws a grenade into the bug, and the bug blows up, and it was really cool. So. But, you know, that being said, you bring up source sound, you bring up a lot of different aspects of the of the sound design industry, even mm -hmm. in just that one summary of why Halo sounds so cool. Um, and I, I'm really curious about kind of how you started out, how you started getting into sound. And I know just, you know, that you went to a sound design specific school. And I'm also curious about the types of different different niches within the field and the types of things that you learned while you went there? Because I know a lot of people probably aren't familiar with uh, the industry. For sure. Um, so the school I went to was actually for audio engineering. So it was definitely gotcha. a wide net, basically setting up, you know, podcasts like we like we have here. If concerts, you've noticed, you it know? sounds better than normal. Hopefully it sounds better. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, setting up stuff for live shows, you know, studio recording for musicians. And then we did have some post-production classes. So, you know, doing ADR sessions where they have to redo the dialogue um, just because the set audio was so bad. We did Foley, which is basically acting out the sound effects. The coolest. The it's coolest. It's definitely pretty cool. <laughs> and then we did some, like, just sound effects creation and editing some sound design um but yeah so how i got into it initially so i knew i wanted to work on video games uh and i made a small indie game project just when i was living at home back on the oregon coast and i made this little like pixel art game it was really buggy and like <laughs> <laughs> definitely I, it was a one-man team operation so i'm just <laughs> glad i made something that's of pretty it. awesome dude. and it ran and you could play it it was like a really budget like metroid kind of thing oh cool do you still have the file is it still playable uh yeah it's online if you go in itch.io it's called like androxa it's i'm playing this terrible <laughs> um androxa I, I really liked the pixel art I did and the music. Yeah. Doing the music was awesome. So really what I learned from that is, you know, a one-man army, like, is not too effective. So I decided to, like, specialize. And audio was drawing my interest. I had a friend who did music production for years, and he ended up giving me my first DAW, Ableton. And I just started playing with that and... Just that experience working on the game definitely drove me towards sound design. Started making like reloads for handguns out of stuff in the kitchen drawer, can openers oh, and awesome. stuff, just layering. And um, that really just sparked my interest. A couple of YouTube channels too, like uh, Waveform uh, by Marshall McGee. He, he does some really cool. awesome sound design videos, and I would say that definitely... Uh, inspired me to like go into the field that's something that you know sticks out to me when you're saying that is it was honestly the fact that sound sticks out to you uh, because 
you know, Connor and I have talked a lot about different things that we're almost like attracted to in, in stories or in movies or in other things that we consume, like other media. And like, I'm really focused on the, like the writing aspect or Mm. the stuff that goes into the storytelling. And that's always what I focus on and, and it's what draws me in. And so I know that's sort of where my heart lies. And, you know, even just living with you for a week or even talking to you earlier conversations and stuff and seeing how, how much you're drawn to sound and how interested you are just in general in other cool sounds that can be found and used and discovered or created. Like, mm. that's just like a very honest, authentic interest in what you're doing. So I think that that's really cool that when you were working on that one man project, you realized like you had the, the foresight to realize that that's what you were most interested in because it's hard sometimes to pick when everything's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, for sure. It, I mean, just music in general, I always loved playing guitar and stuff and then just doing the music for the game. I did it in like a free DAW that you can download. And, um, just doing that was so much fun and definitely drew me towards the field. And then, like you said, I went to, uh, to the audio engineering yeah, school. Yeah, love to hear more about that. And, uh, where, uh, where was it, first of all, just sort of for so folks can, can Phoenix, know about it? Phoenix, uh, Arizona. It's called CRAS, or Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. Uh, we learned, you know, like how to make mics, how mics work, all the, uh, is it physics, right? Behind, hey. like, the electrons going through the XLRs. You're talking to the wrong guy, but I'll <laughs> go with it. <laughs> um, yeah, but we learned all the basics up to, you know, how it mix different kinds of compressors, just so much stuff in a nine-month period. It was only nine months, and then you go for a three-month internship. And luckily, I kind of knew what I was interested in before going there because I ended up uh, just going using the studios you had 24 7 access to the facility and they had like hundred thousand dollar recording consoles they That's had live beautiful. rooms they had you know you they gave you software like pro tools and logic and really it was just like a playground for me to learn and experiment and did a couple like resounds where i stripped videos and then just made my own sound effects uh, while I was there. And that served as my demo reel that helped me get my internship. I redid like Star Wars and Avatar, a couple other scenes. Um, but yeah, and then after that, I interned out here in Burbank and been living out here for like four or five months, I think. Maybe like six almost. <laughs> I'm not sure. But uh, now I got Vince as a roommate. Save some money on rent. Thank Heck God. Yeah. That's how we do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just freelancing. I finished my internship and my boss has, you know, offered me some work just this week. And, you know, I'm just looking for a freelance. So any listeners need a sound designer, <laughs> hey, I'm your guy. <laughs> I, I really like hearing even okay like you go to the audio engineering conservatory basically and mm -hmm. that alone realizing that you're interested in that alone is big sort of like we've you know established that you figured that out but then if you're taking breaking down even that specific uh field into even more finite jobs because there are so many and you even still can't necessarily do them all you can i maybe i mean you could you could tell me better if there are people 
who do touch on all of those you professionally. Uh, I think it's more advised to be very like uh, affluent in like all s- stages of that. Like, because there's live shows, there's music recording, and if you're good at all of it, I mean, just more and more jobs available to you. But uh, I knew I wanted to do post production and. Uh, work on I want to do sound for video games one day eventually again um, <laughs> circle back around yeah circle back but uh, I'm doing movies right now and it's been a blast I've learned so much while doing it but yeah, yeah it, it is very specialized in an already specialized field I mean I guess same with like medicine even you know you have doctors yeah. for literally everything yeah but I think that's I think that's really fascinating too that um that freelance is so often where, you know, like people who are entering film industry or video game industry or all these other things, uh, you know, that's sort of where you kind of have to start out or a lot of people end up starting out or stay or find their career and their path in that. And it's project to project. And, you know, coming from, I'm a little bit further behind in like my parallel process to that in terms of writing. Like, for instance, you've you've gone ahead and, like, gotten things done that are super valuable, like IMDb credits and things that are are just honestly priceless to get the ball rolling on. Like a demo reel as well. Yes. And your demo, like, really solid demos, um, you know, which, honestly, do you know your YouTube channel off the off the top of your head? Surf the Waveform. That's my tag. Surf the Waveform. If you Find wanna... me on Instagram, too. I, I post sound design-related content on there. Absolutely. Pretty fun to check out. And listening to some of the stuff you've done, it sounds great and very professional. And having that as a reference is super invaluable too. Mm-hmm. And that time, you know, can't be taken away. And you've you've gotten the ball rolling, and you're honestly in a very good place to be a freelancer. So I, it's cool watching you and seeing like, okay, even though we're not in the same field, we're in a similar industry, you know, the same overarching industry. And I'm watching you like uh, start out with these freelance tasks and you're the strategies you take to like get work or to get a credit or to, mm. you know, maybe eventually if you wanted to find a company that provides a more stable, consistent, not project to project based thing. But honestly, that's not for everybody. And maybe, I mean, maybe you'll find that you like the freelance stuff more as the ball keeps rolling. But um, it's just interesting to have that laid out. I will say though, and this is probably something both of us could speak to that the project by project freelance lifestyle for people who are entering sort of like creative fields it's tough it's it's tough and a lot of people uh drop out during this stage their career that's what i've heard from uh some composers in the industry as well uh because everyone you need to build your credit so most times people are freelancing and it's definitely hard you're your own boss you have to you know you have to know people, so you have to really network out there. Then also be professional in your emails, and there's a lot of like skills that you don't think about, but there's extra skills that you need to uh, do it successfully and not burn out. Definitely, and I think that's something that maybe if somebody's interested in becoming, you know, maybe a sound designer or becoming uh, a writer or something that people often conceive of as a very private, very self-motivated you're alone a lot kind of field um it can be like that in a lot of ways but to get the work where you're sitting alone and and working on sound or sitting alone and writing a script you have to network you have to meet people and you have to do it organically and often and 
some things are going to lead to jobs. Some things aren't. Some are just going to be awesome friendships that you have. And that's a lot of time and a lot of um, a lot of stress, really. But, you know, it's it's going to be cool, I think, in the future to see it like take fruit for for you uh, and, you know, for me, both for every for Connor, for other people that we know who are enter, entering these kinds of fields. Mm. Um, but I think uh, do you do you have any interesting uh, sort of takeaways from the first couple projects that you've uh, you've worked on that you've learned that maybe that you that you hadn't yet learned in the conservatory. What what have you learned from like the internship and breaking out into the industry so far? What's been like? For sure. Things? I mean, a lot of like specific stuff to um, doing sound design for movies, uh, specifically like transitional elements. Because in a movie, unlike a game, you're going scene to scene. It needs to be seamless. So just learning to fade a lot of like the background sounds, which is just like birds chirping and all that into whatever the next scene is going to be but also using elements like a car driving you can have that start early and then have that as like just a transitional element into the next scene to mm-hmm. have it come in early maybe and uh just like yeah learning to do that creatively and um that's that's often you know that's fascinating because i just you know have been looking into screenwriting and and in a script that's called a pre-lap which Mm. i didn't really i didn't know what that meant until i looked into it but uh it's often not designated in the writing aspect like the pre-production phase of a film and it's not really specified either during the actual production phase so to hear that you're thinking creatively as the sound editor and in you know implementing that when necessary into the film without being tasked to just because you know it's going to make the film sound better. Um, it's cool to hear that there's a very creative element to sound design uh, that it's not just, it's not just like technically, you know, sort of like mechanically taking clips or sounds and placing them. And I think that, you know, for people who are on into the more performance type stuff or writing or things that often, you know, writing is not too flashy, but things that can be flashier, I think there's a common misconception that post-production jobs or editing or sound design can be a little more technical and it is more technical, but a little less, less creative, which is not true. That's not true. at all. Yeah, that's not true. Um, I mean, for doing stuff like footsteps. Yeah. A lot of times you're just putting stuff on timeline, but there's so many creative aspects. Like the first movie I worked on was a zombie movie and, um, yeah. And I was using all sorts of uh, animals, and uh, I had a friend at the conservatory. He was like a metalhead, and I had him do a bunch <laughs> of creature screams before uh, before we left. And uh, I used a bunch of those, you know, mixing, matching. I had Vince here uh, <laughs> record some new source material as a zombie that made it into the movie. And uh, but yeah, I used like hawk screeches. It, it's such a creative field for. Um, specifically like sound effects sound design like it's such a creative field but it's so weird at the same time so it's hard it's definitely an art but it's its own art for sure um but i use like hawk screeches and like pig screams a bunch of really weird animal sounds for the zombies like uh clicking from a stork and dolphins and really it it was just so much uh trial and error and just creativity so there's so much to it for sure. 
do you have a, a couple standouts from you know major films or uh, major video games where they're like really cool instances of taking like honestly like foley art maybe or, or just like cool sounds that they pulled or mixed together to make really like iconic things happen of course of course this is, this is the golden <laughs> stuff i get the smile across your uh, face right now like, <laughs> obviously a big one is jurassic park i mean no one knows what a dinosaur sounds like but uh i believe it was gary rydstrom he was the sound designer for that and he just used so many different animal sounds super creatively and uh, like for the raptors, for example, I believe that was like a sea lion was like the low frequency layer and then dolphins as well. And uh, a debarked dog, which I didn't know what that was. What, what is that? Yeah. Is that so a... it's kind of messed up. They like clipped the vocal cords of a dog. Oh, no. It's super immoral and they don't do it anymore. But it made like a crazy sound. And that's that raptor whoop kind of Whoa. sound. Whoa. I never knew that. That's yeah. Uh... Wow, what a weird bit. Yeah, um, and then, like, he used human recordings, just so many different things. Yeah. And um, that's how you get the raptor in Jurassic Park. Um, there's a really good YouTube channel if you want to learn more about this in-depth sound design. That's really where I got this info from, but uh, they break down famous movie sound effects and oh, sweet. You know, show you layer by layer. It's really awesome. And then, obviously, like, the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. If you don't know, that's, like, a lion growl. There's some okay. lion. There's alligator. And the main part of, like, that T-Rex scream that's so iconic is um, it's uh, a baby elephant just screaming <laughs> its little lungs out. Um, no way. Yeah. That's Oh, man. Is there – um, shoot, is there basically kind of, like – I, this is a weird question, I guess, but is there an instance of a film where you've noticed the sound design to be lacking in some way, but other people who aren't experienced with it around you haven't? Well, I'll, or, I'll say this much. Yeah. Um, I have not noticed where it's lacking, but I always notice it now because it's my field. And even if the, the whole point of sound design is to immerse you, sometimes I still, you know, I'm completely yeah. immersed, but... Oftentimes I'll pause and be like, hmm, what was that sound? Because yeah. it was so cool. And uh think to myself, usually can figure it out, but sometimes they do a good job. And I'm just like, I don't know how they did it, but it's amazing. Like that was awesome. That's so funny because I think maybe the goal, the goal of like really good sound design, you can totally correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm feeling like it's to go kind of unnoticed and to just be immersive. Yeah, and... it's just uh there to complement the film yeah. for sure. Just like uh composing yeah uh, like i was talking i i got to go have a tour at a composer's um facility yesterday and he was telling me uh you know it's definitely different one of them was a pop producer before and going into composing you know you're not really supposed to listen to it on its own it's there to accompany the film hmm. and to elevate the film and that's hopefully hmm. what the sound design is doing as well Interesting. So it's a rare bit of magic where you get like a John Williams or an Ennio Morricone who just like writes a really solid score yeah, that people listen to. That people go back and listen but to. But it still suits the film. And, you know, every once in a while I see a movie where the score is just like, oh, that's a banger. But it really didn't work for that scene. Hmm. You know, like that was a cool song. I just don't like it. I can't think of a particular film in my Especially head. Especially but... um, li uh, licensed music. 
I oh, feel like yeah. is used oh, so no. wrong oh. so much. A lot of times, just going with the composer, just um, like ambient bed tracks would have been better for a scene. Like, I don't think you've seen it, but the new Hellboy. It's, okay. It's yeah. terrible. And they licensed <laughs> so much music, and they were damned if they were going to not use every song. So they'll be they'll be going down like an elevator, and then this rock song just starts playing, and then they reach the bottom, and it stops, and it's like, was that scene even necessary? And at the same time, was that song necessary? No, it pulls you immediately out of the experience, and you're just... If you notice it, then usually it's yeah, bad. It's got a bad you. choice. Got you. And it's, yeah, I'm thinking of, like, okay, we watched Bullet Train, and that was mm-hmm. a, I, as an inexperienced sound watcher, I guess you could say, or listener, like an inexperienced listener in films, I am very, you know, experienced with watching movies, but I often don't engage on the audio level of the audiovisual experience. I mean, definitely you're doing it subconsciously. Subconsciously, but yes. But, yeah, you don't notice the elements. Right. A lot of times, if audio is messed up, uh, the normal person would just be like, I don't know what it is, but my head hurts, you know? Yeah, and yeah. If, especially with lip sync for, like, ADR, if the lip sync's off, you, you won't even know how to describe it. Yeah. If it's, like, a few milliseconds off, but you'll just feel like something's, something's not right. And Definitely. it's pulling you out of the experience as soon as you feel that, so. One of my favorite movies is partially dubbed, and that is, like, my least favorite thing about the movie for sure. It always mm-hmm. sticks out like a sore thumb because, you know, it's mixing, like, Italian actors who were speaking Italian in the scene with Eng- actors speaking English, and it's just so – it draws you out of an amazing experience otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking about, you know, we went and watched Bullet Train in – uh dolby atmos i think it was the setup surround sound and so that was the first movie where i was just mostly trying to focus on the sound as like the active part of the film that i'm engaging with and it was really fun in in a new way and i think you know talking to you a little bit afterwards about it i noticed the licensed music in a good way I felt like with that film like those songs i enjoyed the you know the bgs in in japanese that was that was cool it definitely um, fit because it was in Japanese for sure. And uh, I think they used it well. It's definitely more of a fun movie. So it honestly wouldn't matter if it pulled you out of the experience. Like, Got you. Very serious stuff. Yeah. I feel like if it is, if it's pulling you out of that experience, then you're doing something really wrong for sure. But Got if it's you. dumb, fun movie, I, I definitely get it more if you're just using licensed music to use it or to add something got you so like that film that employed elements of like fourth wall breaks to the yeah, audience yeah yeah exactly they can use the music as that like see see like this is like, you know playing with you a little bit and yeah you have a really strong point there that's that'd be interesting to go through a lot of you know different movies or, or games and watch uh if the audio decisions match the tone of the film well even if they're like good you know good decisions on mm-hmm. paper like how many of how many of them are very seamless and tied together and i feel like that's something that I haven't thought about too much, but I'm glad you're bringing it up. Yeah, definitely um, don't do that <laughs> just because I'm kind of cursed now because I notice that <laughs> stuff all the time, especially if it's bad. So, you know, like mostly just enjoy the experience. But, yeah, maybe on the next one you see, you know, look for something yeah. like that or listen for it. On a rewatch maybe. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, Lucas, the ultimate goal that you have of eventually going back to gaming and, you know, taking it back to where your interest kind of lied and started uh do you think that the differences in those two industries can be bridged by sound 
easily or like how how would you see that taking place from you know from a far away glance from, i don't know if this question are you clear. saying like from a quick career transition standpoint yeah from a career transition yeah, yeah. standpoint and where where are the similar i guess the question really is where are the similarities and differences okay for sure just to put um, it simply yeah i mean a lot of people actually transition career-wise from movies to games I, i'm sure it happens the other way too but just you know being part of a team for sound and you know working on a big project that's kind of transferable skill but definitely in like the nitty gritty stuff, um, there there's definitely some differences. Like for a game, you're using one shots, and something in the game is triggering those sounds. So the game engine's like making a call. It's like, yo, they're shooting, gunshot sound, <laughs> bam, you know, right? And there's a lot of really creative, like dynamic stuff you can do with that, where you can have certain values in the game, like ammo control how the sound is gonna sound you know like have multiple sounds layered and maybe mix up that metal layer of the gun to just indicate to the player through sound design that you're running out of ammo so there's there's a lot of like different stuff that you have to worry about in games compared movies but honestly vice versa i've learned so much i was mostly focused on games before doing my internship but like the scene transitions and picking backgrounds because you're you're working with a lot more environments in a movie Hmm. with all those cuts you know you're in the city you're in the forest but in a game you're just making you know like some really dynamic forest sounds right and Uh, the transitions are slower typically or it's a loading menu in which case you get drawn out and then back in yeah you're not worried about the transitions as much the game engine kind of does it for you um but yeah, for, for games, it's super dynamic. Um, another interesting point, I'm not a composer or anything, but uh, dynamic music for video games. Hmm. You know, when you're low on health, the music changes tone. It gets a little sadder. Yeah. Or it gets, uh, you know, classic example is uh, Legend of Zelda, the little... Oh my gosh. When you're you're low oh, on so health. much stress associated with that. <laughs> with that sound, yeah. <laughs> um, oh man. That's side note. That's a game series that definitely sticks out for its sounds, not just its score, obviously, which is amazing, but you know, yeah. the sounds that pop out. Yeah, didn't mean to derail too much. But no, dang, that's one that I love. Yeah, and all those classic like chest opening sounds. It's uh, they go with a lot of like musical fanfares for yeah. the stuff, which yeah. honestly I like a lot. It's a cool style. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of any other examples within games. I mean. Uh, seems like there's a lot more like source recording too because you have some time during development where you can go out and record like I was saying with the Halo guys uh, they went out record like crazy chemical reactions you know getting stuff from like dry ice on uh, uh, piano strings yeah. which makes insane <laughs> screeching crazy sounds um, oh that's funky that's a cool idea but yeah just uh, I think in that sense, it's very different. Just the mediums themselves are so different. Yeah. I feel like like for gaming, you're trying to give the player an experience that they're in control of. But with a movie, it's just preset. So yeah, yeah for movies, you're like working on timelines more. Got you. Know, you. Setting yeah. things. It's yeah. a lot more sound editing in that sense. And then for games, you're just making sure the clips are good and you're putting them through a third-party sound engine like wise or f mod and that's uh 
what's really triggering the sound. When Got you. Okay. Yeah. So the trans, like you're saying, the way all the pieces fit together <laughs> is less of your job as a sound engineer in a video game. And I mean that not to say like you can't, you're not supposed to focus on it, but that with with film, what well, how you're describing it is like, uh, now tell me if I'm wrong here, but basically like you have you have sounds that you create for inputs in a video game, and mm-hmm. there's tons of them. From what you've told me earlier, I think maybe there's a clip from like Ghost of Tsushima where there's just like a five second clip of the game and there's like a hundred different audio tracks that happen just in that five seconds or whatever it was. For sure. Um, And you're not picking up on all like the ways they slide together quite as much as you would with the fewer tracks of a film that you have to get like very placed very, very right. I would say it's just different. It's a different approach entirely because the sound engine is doing like the actual placements. Okay, that's but you need to make sure the mix of all these sounds is gonna sound good, and you control how many voices are happening in game. Okay. So if there's a bunch of gunshots, you know, you prioritize certain gunshots. Like you, your gun would be less prioritized than the guy behind you shooting you in the back. So you need to know that he's shooting, even if there's other people shooting further out, you know? Yeah. So you have to think about, like, priority and what serves the gameplay. Just totally different worlds. It's kind of weird, like, talking about both of them side by side. But, you know, just the creation of sound effects, that's the same. Recording your own stuff, that's the same. Uh, But, yeah, they're different worlds entirely. Like, video games, it's completely in surround sound. Basically, you know, you want to be able to hear in your headset yeah. if the guy's behind you or to your right or in front of you or above you or whatever. And that's just working with, like, binaural audio coming through your headset. But, but yeah, uh, the game engine helps you spatialize, but it's a totally different world for sure. Um, one thing that I want to get into games for is just... I feel like you get more time to work on the sounds themselves because it's less runtime than a movie. You're yeah, doing a lot of right. uh, sounds. But for a game, you just want to make sure they sound good and you know they're helping the player immerse themselves. So it feels a little bit more like you'd get a full playground in a way. Like the experience that you had at like the conservatory where you mm-hmm. get to you get the space and the freedom to sort of to really explore and mess around without as much of a fear of a specific deadline or experience that you're having to craft in one particular way. Um, and I, I think I'm probably off in some of that. I, but I, I think guess... I'm getting a little too technical where it's like, whoa, but uh, I think it's interesting though. And I think, I conveyed uh, it. <laughs> you know, terms. a very uh, technical question for you that I guess is not that deep, but sort of with, with like a video game, I'm just confused on would you even use a software like Adobe Premiere Pro or any of these types of editors that typically go into making films or That's videos? That's a, a video editor, right? Exactly, right? Yeah, video you editor. Wanna. You wouldn't. It's just purely, you, you would know, use... entirely separate. Is it an entirely separate setup, even mm-hmm. at like the software level, the basic software levels? Well, I mean, so as a sound editor in film, I'm not using Premiere. I'm using Pro Tools. Got you. Either Pro Tools or. If I'm just making something quick, I use Ableton as well. Yeah. So I'm using, that's a digital audio workstation, otherwise known as DAW. Uh, so, I mean, you're doing that in film, and you're also doing that in video games. You're okay. just bringing in your sound effects later 
into another piece of software. Okay, cool. That clears it up a lot mm. because I'm, you know, I'm thinking clear like you know YouTube video edits where you got the audio track and the video track, but you have to take it deeper to actually implement the sound effects at that level and very specific sound software. Yeah. that exists. Uh, do uh, you... A sound engine. Sound engine, that's and something where you bring your sounds in. You've talked about a lot to me. That's a godsend. Seemingly, uh, is is a sound library. Do you? Yeah. And you know, for folks who don't know what that is, basically, you're able to pull sounds that are, you know, uh, you can explain it better than I can. Uh, yeah. A lot of times, it's just source material sounds. So, like, they went out, recorded in Paris, and you have, uh, it's called Walla. When a lot of people are talking, like crowds, you have those crowd sounds from Walla. You have uh, cars driving by. So that would be, you know, a good layer track for backgrounds or ambience in a film. And, uh, yeah, a lot of times you don't have time to go record. Um, you, uh, you just need the sound there and then. But even then, you're still being super creative on your sound choice. The mm. sounds you choose to layer together using sounds you wouldn't have thought of, like... <laughs> Uh, I was tasked to make like a siren head kind of sound for this last film I did. And I ended up, instead of using actual siren sounds, I used like these creaky, just a big old metal creak recording of like a door or something. And then uh, an elephant trumpeting as well. And just mixed that together and really had that like alarm feel that uh, they gave me like a reference of the original siren head sound and uh i think i captured it well but definitely didn't use the siren i tried at first <laughs> you know you just have to be super creative in its own sense for somebody who's interested in starting in a career in sound design mm -hmm. you know they're not even at the like let's say conservatory stage if they choose that they're just like poking around and do i want to do this is this something i want to pursue what would you say are a couple key things that somebody like that could do to kind of test out if they're interested in it and then what are a couple key pitfalls and then i'll ask you a, a follow-up question after this okay um yeah one big one if you want to do anything in this world just go and do it there's no prerequisite you know like i started my sound design journey just making that terrible game <laughs> um <laughs> but you know just practicing you know it takes a while definitely um Self-motivating can be tough, but I think just getting out there and doing it because that's the experience that you're going to be having when you're doing it for a job. So at least you can see if it's for you or if you like it or if, if you have any skills there. Um, so I would say just, you know, get started. You can get uh, free DAWs like L, I think it's LMMS is like a free DAW, but there's lots of free audio editing software. I would say just, you know, record on your phone, send it to your computer. You can do a lot with just that. If somebody wants to use a sound library, you know, in that process, how much would that typically cost somebody? There's to, some to get free, a good one? There's free, some free sample libraries out there. Um, eventually sounds go into the public domain like everything else. And uh, yeah, you can go and get like old sounds from the 50s <laughs> for free out there. Um, That's pretty cool. There's also a paid one that I personally use, Soundly. It's like 10, 15 a month, but okay. you get a whole library. Yeah. It's also a really great software to find the sounds you recorded because you can just search through it oh, instead of using like Finder, uh, the Windows variant, like yeah. File Explorer, or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, there's definitely stuff. You can rip YouTube videos, use sounds. Uh, I used to run a little club at uh, Crass for sound design, and someone ripped like a frog screaming sound, turned it into like Transformers, kind of like hydraulic sounds. Oh, so sweet. Really, there's nothing stopping you besides yourself. Definitely, I struggled with motivation of doing my own projects because, you know, it's it's kind of like you're doing it for nothing, but it's building a skill for sure, and it's yeah. uh, it's just helping you grow that interest. That's That's part of the reason why I want to go back to school for it because I knew at least having a school, you're motivated in that sense. You're, you have a place to go instead of staying home and working on it. So I would suggest maybe, I don't know, go to the library. Just going yeah. somewhere else can yeah. help a lot. It's kind of tough. I'm oh, working no from home right now. But <laughs> <laughs> having like an office space helps so much differentiate play and work. Interesting. Okay, that's a very good advice, especially post, you know, quarantine and post a lot of these things or during still for, you know, a lot of people. Uh, that's been a big thing that's difficult to navigate is knowing how to set up a proper office or workspace. Mm. Um, and one one more pitfall that you actually you talked to me about a little earlier that I wanted to bring up because I think it's very important that people probably know if they're becoming a professional sound designer, or if you you know, you're entering that industry in any sense beyond just like personal use it's important to make sure you have the rights to use certain sounds yeah. that's why these sound libraries exist that's why you know different you know different uh, places who use your sounds are employing you if you do pull uh you know a, something you don't have the rights to and you put it in your film or the project you're being tasked to work on they can get in a lot of trouble for that. So that's that's a major pitfall that you had brought up to me that I think is... Yeah, uh, the composers yesterday were talking to me about that. And um, so, yeah, if you don't have the rights to use something, like if I gave just someone working for that company a sound effect, and then they put in something, and then I went ahead and used it in my you know, movie I'm working on, they would hear that sound effect and end up thinking they're in the right that their sound designer or whatever had that sound first so that's why libraries are important copyright is big for sure you don't want to get in trouble with that uh we had a whole course about just legal stuff and music and sampling and yeah uh for big projects like movies you don't want to be doing that because that could cost people a lot of money and i don't think you'd get hired again <laughs> you know like costing that much uh headache you know? definitely well i think there's there's something that definitely leads into my quick take and i know connor normally sings this song i'm not gonna sing it without you connor don't worry uh so we at the end of the episode lucas i you might have been familiar already but we we do a quick take you bring up something that's on your mind can be anything could be related to absolutely nothing it could be that you like chocolate more than vanilla connor did the opposite of that one time uh basically i, I hear you say that about you know, burning burning your bridges in a career, and and I think of my quick take being that I'm surprised by how tight knit a place like Burbank or a place like that's a kind of like an enclave of LA really is, and that's both in terms of the network and the people who are in it, and also just the amount of stuff that's in a like compact area, and I think it's really interesting. So you know, building a good reputation around people and you know, making connections and making friendships with people. And if you do something that burns that, obviously that's 
going to be really bode really poorly for somebody when like a world or an industry is super tight knit. But mm-hmm. in a more positive light, it's been really cool to see that, you know, just moving out here. First of all, you know, thank you for kind of ushering me in and showing me this place because it's been super helpful and I'm it's made this move a lot more comfortable for me and it's it's great. So I thank you for that. And I, but I also think that the area itself is just really warm and inviting and cool. And the amount of just like really simple things like restaurants and like Ikea (laughs) or all these things, like just so close by, it's so weird because LA has this reputation of being horrible to drive around, which it is if you need to get to somewhere else. (laughs) But in your daily life, you can kind of keep it tight knit and keep it in your area, wherever that may be, whatever your little pocket of it is. And I think that's, I'm starting to get why this city's cooler, whereas before I've kind of seen it on the bigger level and not liked it as much. Mm. Granted, it's really freaking hot right now because it's summer, so that's been rough. But other than that, it's it's been really cool to see that. So that's my quick take, uh, just sort of a pleasant one. Any any quick take on the top of your head? Blade Runner is the <laughs> best movie <laughs> ever made. <laughs> I, I just watched it like this year and my favorite movie now just the aesthetics and some really cool sound design there too just synthy stuff and a great movie the first one and the new one so i love blade runner that's my tag yeah (laughs) (laughs) now i know now i know when uh birthdays and christmas rolls around i'll never forget that um something we got to do then is watch we got to watch all the different cuts uh if you're ever down i've been meaning to do that the director's final cut for the first one but Hopefully that that won't suck the like enjoyment of Blade Runner out. So maybe maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. It's a great film. Maybe down the like line. It. Maybe down when the I line. When I haven't seen it in a while. True. Yeah, we'll take you up on that. Lucas, thank you for filling in. Uh, yeah, honestly, it's no been worries. super fun. Um, love to have you on again. It, you know, when we're talking about something goofy too, and just like other you know films or different things that we enjoy. And it, and if you have any ideas, just always always let me know because you're welcome here anytime. So. Sure uh thanks lucas yeah thanks uh it was fun to fill in for connor maybe i'll sit in on when you guys do one down the road but thanks for having me thanks for listening people and yeah absolutely and just awesome you know, episode just for everybody listening uh where can where can they find you again i know you said it earlier but if uh at surf the waveform on instagram uh i have a link tree too under surf the waveform oh nice link trees uh yeah, that just goes to my YouTube and, you know, all my socials. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and if you want to get in touch through us, our email is oncerevedpodcast at gmail.com. Email us anything. Uh, and if you want to find our website, other episodes, or our YouTube channel that's slowly growing, uh, oncerevedpodcast.podbean.com is where you can find us. Lucas, thanks again. Thanks, everybody, yeah, for listening. You. Have a good one. <laughs>